This is Music Ed Amplified. Welcome back to the Music Ed Amplified podcast. In this little nook of the internet, we chat about real life as music teachers and sometimes my life as a person who is working to become an anti-bias, anti-racist educator and human being and trying my best to get everyone else to join me on the journey. I know many of you are happily and deservedly into your summer break, and the rest of us are crawling ever closer to the finish line. Remember, if you haven't already, it might be time to make the hard choice, and if you're able to, say no to extra work this summer, or at least try to do a little less work this summer. I'll tell you, I had to make just this kind of decision recently, and it was way harder than I thought it would be. I had the chance to be a part of an important collaboration, and the pull to say yes was very strong. But there was something that stopped me in my plan-making tracks. I thought about this past year and all that it has required of me. And for the first time in a while, I thought, well, at least I thought it in time, maybe this is too much. And even though I know I could make a good contribution and it would be a valuable experience, Maybe it's important for me to remember that I'm not the most indispensable person in the universe, and I should say no and trust that everything will keep on spinning without me, and I'll be a happier person. And guess what? I did it. I declined something. That's a good step for me, and though I still have a small amount of guilt over it, it was the best choice for me and my family, and I don't regret it at all. And you know what? We're getting our second dog, a brand new, adorable puppy. And it seems to me that even with the puppy chaos that's about to hit the stronghold, she will be a lot more fun than adding extra work to my plate after a really, really depleting year. Hashtag massive understatement. Hashtag did I really just speak a hashtag out loud? Okay. If you're here and you heard the last episode, which was part one of the interview that my guest co-host Chris Ann Powers and I did with the brilliant Katie Wardrobe, you probably want to find out what happened in the second half. And you probably hope that it's less about me and my fraught relationship with tech and more about, well, tech. Chris has some super questions and Katie shares some great ideas and thoughts about the everyday teacher and our use of technology in the music room. So without further ado... Here's part two. Okay, listen. Let's the the intervention for Missy. We're we're past it. Okay. Now let's get to the people who really know what they're talking about, and that is you and Chris getting a little time to geek out. I never get to hand the microphone over, and so I'm thrilled to uh, listen to Chris ask you questions and. Uh, I'll chime in if I need to, but I just, like, I'm okay saying I'm not great with the technology, but I will learn from the masters. Well, Katie, I have to just say, when I stumbled upon your Midnight Music community uh, right before, well, right during the pandemic, uh, one of my colleagues, Christina Campler, said, you have have to check out this midnight music community. I'm, I've started this Canva class. It's mind blowing. And she goes, I know how OCD you are about presentations. She said, you will love this. And I said, oh, do I have the time for this right now? I just don't know. And honestly, the way you set up that course in these tiny little bites, 
I could watch a two minute video and then go load the dishwasher. And then I'd come back and and I'd binge on the right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. And and when I started making the video course, I I thought, oh, that worked really well for Canva. I really want to do that again. It did not work for the video course. There was the the concepts are too they're too much to fit in a like a one or two minute video so I, I had to sort of right. abandon that that idea but I did try to split them up a bit but with there yeah, with the Canva one it was something I'm like you know I love this when I'm watching course videos when they're really short you just end up like you end up watching 20 minutes worth of video but you've actually watched you know five small ones and you just don't realize it you just keep binge binge binging on them like Netflix and and it's great and I'm so happy you liked the Canva course that that one kind of blew me away a little bit too because I I knew it was going to be popular or you know whatever but it it just turned out to be a lot more than I thought even I thought it was going to be and it just was so fabulous I'm about to canvas has so many updates so frequently and there's a whole stack of new features and things that you know were in the pro account but not the education account and I need I'm going to go back in the next couple of months and just check through and revise and add to the video um, the courses in the video so no the videos in the course just to to update it a little bit and add some new things in but it's just such a fantastic tool and, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy that you like it. You, you would have noticed my OCD-ness come out in some of those videos too because I'm like, if you line things up perfectly and match all your colours perfectly, it's going to look a lot better. <laughs> and oh, the, the way you have it also set up in Midnight, uh, the Midnight Music community, like there's those little check marks that you could say, I know, I've I love yeah. this. Yeah. Oh, it's so satisfying. <laughs> I was like, I've accomplished something today. I'm still in my pajamas, but I checked something off. That's it. Oh, my gosh. And the funniest thing was I I remember at one point, I don't know if it was the Canva course or maybe the video course, if you – as you're completing sections and you're checking it off, it tells you you're, you know, 43% done of the whole course or 58% done. And I remember at one point I had to add some more things in. So it changed the overall total. And so someone's <laughs> like, I was 43% done and now I'm only 37% done. What happened? I'm like, it's fine. You've still done the same amount of work. There's just a little bit extra at the end. <laughs> so. Uh, so funny. It's a so, yes. it's a great setup you have though, and honestly, thank you. All of the 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 great resources you have on there, you have the information about like a downloadable PDF about hey, here's some tips about GarageBand. Oh, and yeah. oh, you want to also learn about X, Y, or Z? Here's some helpful t- tips. Yeah. It is. Oh, I'm so glad. Like it's just a treasure trove of information that is just like when you need something. You just go check it out and it's right there. Like I said, today I I needed the the clip art for the notation. I was like, oh, yeah. I know where to go for that. And I just <laughs> went on the website and boom, downloaded it. And there it was. It was so helpful. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. It's funny because I, I'm always stressed about the fact that there's, there's a lot of stuff in that community, the training library and the resources and things. And, and I have a vision for how I want it to be reorganized and made easier for people to find things you know because at the moment I don't think it's easy enough for people to find what they need but but hearing you say oh it's just there like it gives me a little bit of comfort at least (laughs) but I do have a big project it's been on the cards well it's probably before pandemic 
hit. And then, of course, that just threw everything out. I had to go and do other stuff and for 12 months or so. And I'm back on it now. I'm just like, okay, this is my next project. Now the video course is sort of settled. I can get back onto reorganising things. But, yeah, I'm very happy. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we do have some questions for you. And, mm. you know, we, it, it's, it's, it's so satisfying right now because I – I have a former student who has now become a colleague and she had just finished her student teaching, but now, you know, she's working in our district and it's, it's such a, it's an exciting time for her. And, and I just feel like a really proud mama. So <laughs> this question is really geared towards um, undergraduates. So we have a question for you about if you were te teaching a technology course to some undergraduates who are just getting ready uh, to go out into the world and become music teachers. Uh, what technology tools would you say are must-haves and uh, how would you go about preparing them? Say you had a semester course, you had one semester with them. What were the one, what are the technology tools that you were saying, oh, I must teach these to these undergrads? And it's funny you ask this question because every year at two points in the year, in, in March and in October, I do a three-hour lecture for undergraduate teacher trainers, essentially. And mm. they're, they're about to, well, the, the ones that I do in March are about to embark on their teaching rounds and go out to schools and do teaching rounds for the first time. And the ones in October have kind of done them for the year. So, And I do this for two different universities here in Melbourne. I, I've done this for a few years in a row now. So... Um, when I do this thing with them, it's like a bit of a whirlwind tour through. Here are all the things you could possibly need to know, and I'm not intending that you remember all these at once in this lecture, but this is an overview so that you go, oh, I remember Katie showed us this thing that might solve that problem. Then you can go look it up and find out more about it. But in that in that lecture, I actually say to them, Look, I think that there are certain tools like genres of of technology tools that everybody, every music teacher, and this is whether you're an undergrad or you've been teaching for 15 years, I think every music teacher should know a digital audio workstation. So that's a program which records audio and you can play a keyboard instrument as well to record something and so when you're recording the keyboard instrument even it could be the sound of a guitar or a bass guitar or drums or a keyboard or anything else so that those that sort of family of programs is called digital audio workstation which is DAW or DOR as it's known so when you hear people talking about DOR it's not D-O-O-R it's D-A-W <laughs> and that includes you know garage band soundtrap band lab um, Logic, Pro Tools, Ableton, uh, Studio oh, One, like all, there's millions of them and do not <laughs> be thinking you need to learn word, any. word, word, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> just in case you need to know what those ones are, pick one. It does not matter which one. Just pick one and learn it. And the reason I think that's so important is because you will use it for yourself as a teacher or you will use it with your students. So even if you're teaching very young students, you may not have them using the software. They may not be sitting at GarageBand, but you might use it to record what they're playing in class. And if you're working with older students, you might be doing some really lovely, basic uh, pentatonic melody composition. And you might want the students to record their pentatonic melody that they have handwritten on paper, first of all, and then they're going to go into GarageBand and record it 
by playing an instrument into the software. And then they might record their voice singing something over the top of that and maybe add a drum part. That might be it, you know. And so all of those things can be done in a digital audio workstation. And I find it to be one of the most useful tools for me personally because I can make a backing track. And a backing track that you make might consist of a drum pattern and one loop that you found ready-made in the loop library and dragged it in and you're like, that's mm -hmm. a loop that is a, a one chord followed by a five chord. Perfect. That's all I need. And you make it last for 16 bars and you're done. Like, <laughs> cool. And export, we, we have a backing track, you know. So it's just a fantastic tool. You can record radio shows or podcasts with kids if you want to in those. So, so that's the first family of tools. Like just pick one and learn that because once you know one of those, they all kind of work in a really similar way and you will be okay switching from you're at a school that has Soundtrap license and now you're at a school which has Max and use GarageBand. It's okay. They work in a similar way. They're not identical, but cling to the things that are familiar. It's all good. <laughs> so I say that right, to them. Right. Digital Audio Workstation, that's on my list. And um, a notation software program is a second thing. Again, you as a teacher, I think it's just super useful for you to know how to do basic. It's like for me, it's word processing for music teachers. You need to know how a way of digitally writing music in some in some way, shape or form. So pick a notation software program and I, I think from memory you were going to ask about that anyway so maybe we'll talk about that now like which one <laughs> which one oh yeah. my gosh you know and Finale I will or say Sibelius? well and no and then that's not even the choice anymore because there's all these other options too so uh, here's my answer that I always give uh, there's, there's sort of two things. Is it just for you as a teacher to use? So you as a teacher might want to make worksheets. You might want to make notation examples, which are going to go into your Google Slides. You might want to arrange something for the middle school band. You might uh, be arranging something for a full orchestra because that's your thing. You're a conductor and that's what you do or any number of other things. So if that's what you need the notation for, then yes, Sibelius or Finale are good options. There's also Dorico and MuseScore. I'm just going to throw those in and, you know, not to muddy the waters. Which one? It doesn't matter. Pick one. If you're already using one, stick with that one that you're using. At, at the level that most music teachers are going to use them, the differences are, the differences are when you are working professionally and publishing music and on a more professional level, that's right, when you're right. going to get into the nitty-gritty of how they work and Sibelius does this better or Finale does this better. Just pick one. Most music teachers, it's not going to matter. So, um, And the advice that I give on that also is pick one that your friends and colleagues are using or people that you are in contact with regularly. Mm, so, so we can share, yeah. So you can and share help and each ask other. questions. <laughs> yeah. That's the main thing, ask questions. So uh, in Australia, it's funny because... Um, the way things happened in Australia is that Sibelius was a very strong product here and Finale was not. And it's still <laughs> the case that there are more Sibelius users in Australia. So when people say, should I get Finale or Sibelius in Australia? I'm like, well, honestly, it doesn't matter. They're both great products. But if you're in Australia and you're surrounded by Sibelius users, life is just going to be easier if you're also using Sibelius and you go, hey, I don't know how to do that thing. Like, can you show me? <laughs> so go with that. Um, MuseScore I mentioned because it's a free product and it does similar things. And for most music teachers, it doesn't do all the things, but for most music teachers, it will be enough. So that's an option. And Dorico is the new kid on the block and is fabulous and it works quite differently to all the others. So 
again, maybe explore that, but you're, you might be in a minority if you're using Dorico amongst other music teachers in your immediate mm. area, but, but not. How do you know, spell go, those go last consider. two things? Did you, Dorico you is, yeah, Muse Score is M U S E C O R E. So Muse oh. Score. Yeah, Aussie okay. accent maybe is throwing. No, no, no. I just didn't know if it was like all one word. And MuseScore has been around for a long time. Um, and actually, I very early on in what I'm doing now, I made a series of videos called MuseScore in 10 Easy Steps. And because they had nothing, they had no tutorial videos really hmm. around. And I made this series of videos and they got like hundreds of thousands of views because it was wow. not just yeah. for music teachers. Right. It was all of their users around the world were like, oh, good. Um, anyway, so MuseScore, uh, Dorico is D-O-R-I-C-O and it's a product which was sort of started, um, there's a whole history, but anyway, more recently and it works quite differently to the others, but it's quite a beautiful sort of way of working. Um, anyway, if you really want to research, you know, go down that road, watch videos and stuff. And, and I would say, this is what I say for all software, go and watch a few tutorial videos on YouTube even before you get the software because that's what gives me the feel mm. for the software. I watch it and I'm like, oh, okay, it works like that. I don't need to learn this right now, but I just I need to just see the inner workings of the software. I don't want their flashy product video. I just want right. to see actually how does the software work. So. Um, but for students, I would do want to say for notation software, if you're planning on using it with your students, which is a fantastic idea, Sevalius and Finale and Dorico and maybe even MuseScore are overkill for students, particularly middle school and younger. Like it, it, there's no point in getting them on <laughs> those high-level programs when they're only going to use 5% of the features. So the, the choices if you're using with students, for me, NoteFlight and Flat are the two, um, you know, sort of mm. prominent options. And they are both cloud-based, so they work across multiple devices. Um, they're really great options. Again, which one? It doesn't matter. If your school has a license already, use what you've got. I have a slight leaning towards NoteFlight just because it was around a bit longer. It's got a few more features. But, you know, a lot of people love Flat and it's catching up with features. So, you know, again, go watch a couple of videos. Again, go with what's what your friends and colleagues are using if you want that extra support. And I just think, yeah, so that those are the two things I would really suggest. The door digital audio workstation, the notation software. And then there's a handful of other things which are just necessities these days, like screencasting software, something that allows mm. you to make a video of your screen and or your webcam, either one or the other or both at the same time. Um, I've mentioned that I use Loom most of all. There's a couple of specific reasons that I choose Loom uh, over Screencastify is another option. And again, if Screencastify is working for you, stick with Screencastify. It's totally fine. Um, but yeah, Loom is another option. And there again, there are, you know, this is where people like, no, Screencast-O-Matic is the best one. Or <laughs> they all do the same sort of thing. Use what works, really. <laughs> So those, you know, those tools for any undergrad, um, if you're, and, and for just any teacher that's been teaching for a long time, I think those things are, for me, if I was setting up an undergrad course, I would be ensuring that those were part of the course really from the get-go and and just making sure that people have skills in those areas. And the, the undergrads that I see and do for these, you know, one, twice a year lectures, they 
a lot of them are not even now like they're students young early 20s in their early 20s and it's still not often a part of undergrad courses that Mm. those are being taught I do not I just don't feel like it should be a separate topic even it's not like go go have a music technology class like why technology is part of all classes now really it's like you don't go and have a a class on yeah yeah, you don't have a class on Microsoft Word like you don't go to a Microsoft Word (laughs) class or you don't go to a Google Suite class and learn how to use the Google Suite no it's just you're doing music class and you need to write an essay so you open up and learn how to use Google Google Docs or or Word or whatever your tool of choice is so so those ones I think are really important obviously and particularly in the last 12 months, learning your whatever your school is using for the online management system or similar kind of option. I mean, that's just kind of a necessity because you just need a way. It's very dry and boring in a way because it's not like creative music things, but you need a way to get information in and out. <laughs> so go learn the LMS. Exactly. <laughs> and, What's that and, called? The LMS is the learning management system? Yeah, is that what learning that management means? system, yeah. And um, I include Google Classroom in that, although strictly speaking, Google Classroom Classrooms a very uh, much more simplistic version of an LMS, uh, and they don't call it an LMS. It was sort of designed as a, a basic tool for sharing assignments and stuff. But then a lot of people demanded more features because you know they can see what Canvas can do or Schoology or all these other options that are out there. And again, you you have to go with what your school's chosen for you in that regard or your district. So so um, get a handle on that. But but I will say with that. Um, it's funny because when I started looking at those learning management systems, the the way that you publish information, so as a teacher, let's say you create a post and you are assigning something for students, you are going to type some text in a box, you're going to maybe add a link, you might attach a file or add a file to that, that post somehow. So you click a button, which is like a paperclip, you know, um, to add a link, you're going to click the button, which is like a little link button. You might bold your text and italic and stuff. Now, all of those things are how you edit a web page. So once you've learnt that set of skills, you can now edit a web page, even though you didn't know you could edit a web page. <laughs> if you start a website or go to a website, I mean, essentially that's what you're doing in your learning management system. You open up a little web page and you're editing it. So all of those things, again, are transferable to other things that you might want to learn. So when you do need to go and you know, explore Google Sites and make a website there or WordPress or, you know, whatever you're going to do, Um, those skills will carry across. So you're not totally starting from scratch with all the different things, I don't reckon. And then, I mean, with this lecture that I do for these students, I I literally take them on a whirlwind tour of of lots of things and I have stolen completely and utterly, shamelessly (laughs) stolen from Amy Burns. The opening that she has at a lot of her sessions where she shows this picture of a massive dessert buffet and she says we are going to look at the dessert buffet in this section do not eat the whole buffet choose one thing you will get sick if you eat the whole buffet so I have totally stolen that from her and I show this picture of a dessert buffet and I say to the students you know we're going to look at a lot of stuff today but do not be trying to to take all the things at once and I, I show them a lot of the free creative tools that we all have used and loved for many years and there are some that I've been showing from the start of what I've been doing so for 10 years or more I have used and shown Incredibox 
and uh, Beepbox, which allows you to make video game style themes or any style theme. Uh, simple online tools that just work really well as a springboard for a lesson or an activity. Chrome Music Lab obviously is a bit more recent, but we, we definitely look at that one. And so I do show them all those things. But, you know, if there was a choice, I'd say pick your digital audio workstation, pick your notation software and, and learn those because they will – they will, you will use those in all things, you know. Um, and, and really, like, you know, it's, it's dry again, but, well, maybe not. Google Slides or Keynote or PowerPoint, you, using your presentation software well to make presentations but to create resources as well is such an important thing and something, again, you'll just use every day, every day. Canva, I mean, Canva's thrown in there now too, but just, yeah. Is that enough? That's too much. <laughs> no, that's good. <laughs> That was a long answer. <laughs> I want to say just that real quick, um, Canva I've had for about five years, you know, the paid version or whatever. I can't remember why I started with it. Um, maybe it was Probably to make... Probably for Facebook posts. Yeah, but it was, I think, yeah, also uh, for um, like flyers, right? Yeah. Hmm. I had no idea that people were using it for like presentations and... Well, same, Yeah. Yeah, it's always like I'm using it for that at all. Yeah, Yeah. I have. This is just the story of my life. Like, I'm paying for this resource, (laughs) and then I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, I never looked at these categories of like. But what's nice is I'm fairly dexterous with Canva in those, you know. And now for the podcast, I make stuff. But now it's like it's not so hard for me to work with this program or whatever you call it in these other applications. So that's. Look at me being positive about tech. Good for you. That's it. Positive. I just am so good at it. And I feel like the design type tools, again, um, and that maybe that's even the first place you'd start is learning just the basics of that, getting your head around using those tools to design resources. Because again, all of them work in a similar way. And Canva's like a little sidestep, but really, there's so many, you, you still find the shape in the menu and add it to your canvas and right. then make it bigger and change the color. And, you know, you, then you will add a text box and you make the different font and you change the color of it. Like they all work in the same way. Like mm-hmm. really, they, they really do. And the big benefit of Canva is it just has this supply of images inside yeah. the program. And this is the biggest benefit really is there's a massive library, hundreds of thousands of little elements that you can pop into your design without searching you know, Google for hours and hours. So yeah. that's somebody asked me that. <laughs> somebody wrote to me oh, really? a couple of weeks ago and she's like, Who do you use for <laughs> your podcast? And I was like, What? And she's like, Who's your designer for all uh-huh. these things you're doing? I'm like, uh, I'm the designer. Okay, not really. I'm like, mm, I'm really good at picking things on Canva. But like, yeah. it was so funny. She le- legit was ready to hire whoever my graphic designer <laughs> was. I'm like, Oh, good. It's a pretty good deal then if you look at it. Look at it like that oh i love it and the best part is that there's the educational account right correct yeah so yes pro features definitely do that because you get a lot more uh access to a lot more of those library of elements and it's definitely worth it definitely Mm -hmm. worth doing that so katie we wanted to ask you we know you've been doing this whole tech side of things for such a long time now what tools did you use when you first started out that are now obsolete and do you miss them? And then what tools do we have now that you feel have like a real longevity? So 
is it is are are there certain tools that are worth investing the time in to really dig deep so that we know that they'll be around for a while? Yeah, that's such a good question, actually. Do you know what? I don't think there's there's hardly anything that became obsolete that I really miss, except for one thing. And I don't know if anyone would know of this or remember it, but there was a website called Aviary, as in a bird Aviary, and they had this <laughs> this online musical creation tool which allowed you like it had a a grid of buttons that you could click on and off and each uh, row was a different instrument sound and you could switch out the the collection of sounds anyway and then you'd pop buttons on and off like it's it's like the technical term is a step sequencer where you are turning on and off sounds to make a pattern you hit play and it would make this pattern anyway I loved it because there was a lot of options. You could really customise all the instrument tracks and the sounds and you could record your own sounds and upload them hmm. to be played back. So you could record a clap or a hit on your chest or a body percussion sounds or found sounds and make them into this playable instrument. It was fantastic and you could download. Anyway, they just discontinued it because it wasn't the focus of their business. They started out as like an image editing service and they had this side project. I don't know. Anyway. It just disappeared. And that's the only one I mourn the loss of, (laughs) really. But other than that, everything else has really stuck around. So those sort of fun, free websites that are creative, uh, all of the ones that I've shown in, I mean, 2008 was when I really started doing this or 2009. Mm. And uh, they are all still, Incredibox started the year that I was doing a lot of conference presentations for the first time and I showed it in that first year and it is still around. Like <laughs> it's a simple thing, but it's still there. But, but you know, getting back to those software tools, uh, the digital audio workstations, they're all, most of them are still around or they have developed further or... Maybe a couple have disappeared over time, which I don't really miss, but new ones have come along. But again, it comes down to the genre of program. So you learn a digital audio workstation, does it matter if the features change or if that one becomes obsolete or you switch schools and you have to use another one? You've learned a digital audio workstation, you're still good. Like, you know, 10 years later, we're all still, you still need to learn. <laughs> so, is GarageBand so a digital yeah, audio Garage workstation? Band, is a digital audio workstation. Yep, yep, exactly. So would so, you would you not learn Note Flight if you already were using GarageBand? No, like, because they're two different programs that serve different purposes. So oh, I would that. learn GarageBand plus a notation software program mm-hmm. simply because one is recording audio sound only and the other one is the visual. So if you need mm-hmm. to print something for students, you can't really do that from easily from GarageBand. So, I, I yeah, want to suggest GarageBand. another option that you haven't touched on, and Ooh. I'm willing to um, educate you about this <laughs> because I feel like people need to know. One great step is to marry someone <laughs> who actually, because as you're talking, my brain is shutting down and just being like, Jeremy does this. Yeah, Jer- I remember like when we were first married, he was my accompanist, which was always great. Oh, nice. And then like I started teaching and he was my, you know, choir accompanist. And then it was like, oh, I was making arrangements. No, he was making arrangements. And, put- and people are like, how are you doing that? I'm like, Jeremy is the answer. So just a, p- a third a option, a third option. You can't marry Jeremy. Not yet. I mean, once I leave. <laughs> Once I'm out of here, you guys can you can draw straws for him because a lot of people have been requesting Jeremy. But 
people out there, find your and Jeremy. So my, my substitute for that is if you cannot, cannot get a Jeremy, and, and this is where I think it's so important to find a person, and this is why I suggest if you're going to learn a, a notation software program, do pick something that someone close to you knows. And by close to you, it doesn't even need to be geographically close anymore, obviously. Right. Like, you know, I mean, I ask Amy questions and she's in New Jersey and I'm in Melbourne, so like right. that's fine. And I have a series of other tech friends as well. Like I have a friend Martin in New Zealand and I can ask him stuff about Ableton because I have no idea about Ableton. So I'm like, Martin, what's the, what's the go with this? <laughs> so find someone and that can be your Jeremy and it might be just for one software program or the whole gamut if you know a tech person who's comfortable with all the things then that's useful but find that person and sometimes uh, some of those that support will be your IT person at school and really I, I make a joke in workshops about find out do they like chocolate or wine <laughs> or beer like what is their thing that they love do they like puppies like I don't know right. find the thing and I'm not kidding go and make friends with them and it's going to be the best investment. And obviously, hopefully, they're a lovely person anyway. But invest in that relationship. I know some people have terrible time with their own What? Uh, there's a music teacher here in when, Melbourne when you, and she's married to her IT person at school. <laughs> so she has a Jeremy like you too. <laughs> when the advice is, hey, did you turn your computer off and then back on again? Yeah. Now, now look, I'm going to defend, yeah, defend the IT people because, no kidding, that is actually the best no. thing to do first. So Jeremy a always says that to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and people laugh about it. But honestly, so here's what I say to people. Like if you need to ever email um, the support of a comp, like actually email the software company because you've got an issue, I, I say to them, you must, like, don't even email them or chat, do the chat thing with them. Do not go there until you have tried turning your computer on and off for a start, restarting the software, which is two separate things, you know, restart the software. If it's still not fixed, then restart your entire computer. If it's a browser-based thing, you must restart the browser and you must go and check, does the browser need updating? And the only reason, you, like people are like, no, no, I just want to know the answer to the question. Well, <laughs> if you message support of any company, they are going to tell you to do all of those things first. So do not mm -hmm. message them until you have tried all those things. And there's like a checklist that I, I run through. And, and I even test things out in a different browser. Okay, so the problem is in Chrome, but it's not in Safari. Like it's working there. All right, so it's a Chrome issue. We've narrowed this down now. So you you must go through those things. So do shut down the computer. I feel start. cool because I do that. I, I did restart it. Good. Yeah. I did and close I down the tabs. Ahead of time. I've done this, this, this. Yeah, this, that's this, what I mean. Because me, I know they're gonna. I know they're gonna <laughs> they're like gonna come at me. Like, did exactly. you do this? Restart. Yep. Move. Wait. Did you ever see that Saturday Night Live? No. Um, sketch. It's my favorite. The tech guys come in, and they're like so annoyed with everybody and then they'll they're standing next to you and they're like move <laughs> you just have to get up so jeremy does that to me all the time it's like move <laughs> i have to look that up oh my gosh yes so yes um so yeah but getting back to the original question about what things have come along or disappeared over time i mean there's some more recent things which i think are worth investing the time in and sometimes it's a specific tool or a type of tool so I, i'm thinking Things like ways to get videos to students and from students is has been important for a long time, but particularly, again, in the last 12 months, this is yeah, highly absolutely. important because 
you know, as musicians, you want to see them perform and you want to hear them perform. And if you can't do that in person or you need to social distance or you just need them to do it in their own time, I mean, uh, something like Flipgrid is a great solution for that. And it, it doesn't have to be Flipgrid, like if there's another option for you. But Flipgrid really is a little bit unique in that regard. And um, that's become a favourite of mine. And Wakelet is another thing that's become a favourite of mine. So over the years, I've struggled with the best way to share a collection of links to things. And so a collection of links for me is what are all the things I'm talking about in this one workshop or this one webinar or this one conference presentation? Like where are people going to go to get that information? So in the early days, I used to set up a web page on my website and meticulously and boringly hyperlink, you know, I showed, you know, Flipgrid and then you'd highlight the text and then you'd grab the link from Flipgrid and you'd hyperlink it and, you know, and save right. it and then you'd add the next thing and then you'd forget something. You have to go back and add it. Oh, my gosh, so tired uh. and boring looking because it's just text on a page. But Wakelet, um, I, I've used other tools over the years, but Wakelet has become a much better option. It's totally free. It's a way that you can collect and share links, curate links uh, for things. So that one's come along. Instead of a Bitmoji classroom. Instead of a Bitmoji <laughs> classroom, yeah. And actually, it has a lot more functionality. Like either you're just using it to share links out to um, you know, other teachers. But with students, Wakelet can be a digital portfolio solution. So students can have their own Wakelet account and set up a curated collection of links and it's not just links, it's actually videos and documents and images that they can put all in one place really easily. And it can be like, here's my composition portfolio for my year 11 work, whatever it is that they're doing. And they can have diary entries and they can have videos in there of them performing. And, you know, it's it's quite easy to do. <laughs> We've got lots of dog issues today. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's just a great tool. So that one's come along and um, after you learn a digital audio workstation and a notation program, those are probably the next ones, you know, and, and of course, your presentation software, like to create resources. The next level is probably something like Wakelet to share and collect links and Flipgrid to collect and share out videos and, um, and create those assignments. So all, all of those are like the basic portfolio of tools, I think, nowadays. Or maybe... Yeah. Don't use those also. You could just... And don't use them. And, and if, you, if you don't need to... In my to mind, I'm like, videos, oh, boy. No. And and gets back to that, that do not right. lose focus on what you... Just-in-time learning. If you do yes. not need to collect videos from your students, don't look at Flipgrid. Forget it. Just, I'm just getting the it. banana pudding from the dessert buffet. <laughs> just Correct. the banana pudding with just vanilla banana. wafers. Why would you pick banana pudding? I like banana pudding. Chocolate cake. <laughs> Listen, you eat the chocolate cake, I'm eating the banana pudding. <laughs> the, I have to say in the Canva course that uh, Katie created, what was really a nice outcome is that we used Wakelet to house all of our work yes, for the right. different did. components of the Canva course. And yeah. then, okay, I need a Bitmoji classroom for the Nutcracker. Well, guess what? <laughs> I went Someone on to made it. and somebody made it. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. And so basically I just have to join Midnight Music oh, and then I will do. never have to teach again. Like I'm just <laughs> no, going to be like, definitely not like boom, that. boom, we'll boom. Find oh, listen. To think so. <laughs> listen, that yes. sounds pretty good to me right now. So, <laughs> and, and it was good because uh, when I 
when we all wanted to share, and because if people are sharing things in a Facebook group, you know what it's like. They get lost. They get lost in the stream. Like, oh, someone shared a nutcracker thing somewhere, but who knows who it was and where it was. And did they use the word nutcracker in their post? So can right. I search for it? Probably not. Anyway, and so I ended up saying to everybody, hey, shall I work out a way that we can collect all these things together? So for each module, which was a different project, so like posters and then worksheets and then whatever it was yeah we I had a separate weight click collection for each one and that was the place where people could go and pop in because you can have a collaborative weight click collection where you allow other people to add to it and I let everybody add their own links to either just the image version of what they had created or most people added the template the Canva template link which was lovely because you could then go and use it for yourself and and it's great because it's a visual when you go to the weight click collection you can see visually what it is you know it's not just words a link which with words <laughs> you can actually right. see the thing so yeah it worked really well I'm, I'm gonna do that again when I, I run it uh, we talked earlier about you know kind of live courses or live workshops versus all recorded and and although I've been recording courses for many years now and sharing them that way I have found that somewhere in between is quite good so I've been doing this sort of thing where it's a course where it's like I call it like do along with me model where we say okay for this set of three weeks we're going to do five modules of this Canva course all at the same time and and I try to stress so much that it doesn't – if you don't keep up, it's okay. Like people get really panicky like, I'm not keeping up. I'm so far behind. It doesn't matter. The course materials are not going anywhere. You can watch them next month if you want to. But, right. but people do like to do things together as a group and that has worked really well. So we had everybody doing module one for a couple of days and popping their creations in and it, it, it was just so good to see. And then I'm like, I would make one of the modules go live and I would sit there and see how long it took before the first person posted their project, you know. And <laughs> with the video course, I knew it was not going to be quick, but with the Canva course, within like an hour, someone's mm -hmm. like, here's my poster, here's my wish. <laughs> like, Chris oh Powers, gosh, overachiever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I so love the digital badges. Oh my oh, yes. gosh. I, I forgot those. about that. That was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was fun. Gosh, they were fun to do. Yes. Yeah, I've got – you're reminding me all the bits. I've forgotten about those. <laughs> I've got to go through the whole course again. <laughs> yeah. So, Katie, I, I have to share. One of the biggest frustrations with me is when I learn some new technology, inevitably – within minutes. It's like when you buy a new car, right? The minute you drive it off of the lot, it's not worth as much as it was, right? So <laughs> yeah. inevitably, I, I learn this new piece of software and something changes. There's updates yes. that have been made, right? And I feel like I can never keep up with the updates. And yep. then one of my girlfriends said, oh, well, you just need to go on the, their Twitter, whatever. No, and then no, they, they don't post do that. All no, the, no. What is the way to keep up with all of the updates that happen in all of these wonderful software pro programs. I, I do not. I don't do that. I, f I don't even do that. Like I just, it's too much. Like I'm particularly, you know, I, I'm across like of all the digital audio workstations, I know many of them. I don't want to keep up with all their updates. I really don't. So um, it, I think it comes back to that just-in-time learning. If, if Flipgrid has five updates in a month, and you're not going to use it for another month after that. Why do you, you don't need to know them at that time. Like, but I will say, I, I really do think it's important, which I mentioned earlier, is to open up the software or whatever it is, the service, 
anything you're using before you go in front of a class. Like do not be opening up Flipgrid for the first time in a month in front of your year eight group (laughs) if you have not looked at it for a month. Like that's just a recipe for disaster. So I have a rule um, for me it's I'm not in front of kids, I'm in front of adults of course and I have a rule that I will open every single thing up that I'm showing in a workshop or in a course or anything live, in a conference particularly, I will always open things up, hopefully a couple of days before. It's often the morning of or the night before at 11 p.m. or whatever. It doesn't matter. Just open it up before you're in front of a room on a data projector going, oh, my gosh, that button was there. Like, where's it gone to now? I do not know. Or there's a whole new thing. And this goes for things that you are, you know, certain that it's going to be the same as the other 400 times you've looked at it, like Incredibox. If you know, look at it before you open it up in front of your class. Or, or, or the record the button on Zoom. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Make yeah, sure that change. you don't they assume do. that the professional version yeah. would have the same features <laughs> as the free version. <laughs> But also, um, if you do want to keep up, I mean, so what I do, uh, I don't try to keep up with all the updates because people do say to me, how do you keep up with all the changes and stuff? I I don't. So that's what I do. I will open up the software and make sure it's all the same or learn the new, oh my gosh, it's changed. I need to now change all the things. But I, I am on Twitter and Twitter for me is the best place to learn about that sort of news if you want to. So If you start using Wakelet and you want to learn about when Wakelet has a new feature or a change, follow the Wakelet account and and Wakelet and Flipgrid particularly are very active and very good at their social media and it's useful and I also follow a lot of education technology people in the like teachers who are not associated with the company and that is how often I learn about updates is because this teacher will go, (laughs) oh, I made this thing with that new feature in Jamboard and I'm like, oh, good, Jamboard had an update like that's how I learn about them I do not seek it out it just comes to me but I'm not also on Twitter all the time I'm because it's overwhelming I don't again I do not need to know about Jamboard for another couple of weeks when I start preparing for the webinar that I'm right. doing next month like forget it it's fine I sometimes I file them away mentally like oh I think there was an update that you know allows you to now do a custom background in Jamboard you can so I will just keep it in the back of my mind, but my mind is so full of all the things. It's overwhelming. I I don't want to try and know. I don't need to know everything all the time. So I do, but you have to be proactive about checking the thing you're about to use in class. And, and sometimes the only time that it is really useful is when there's an update that comes out where it's solving a problem that's been an issue in the software. Like you're like, oh, I wish that the software just did that one thing because it would make my life so much easier. That's, you know, that's maybe the time that I will try to look out for updates from that company. And the last way that I keep up with updates, and actually this is the best way that I do it, I listen to a number of podcasts by teachers Mm. who are not music-based, they are just education technology-based. So they are teachers using, for instance, the Google suite of tools, which is now called Workplace because they have to change the name every five minutes. They did. Has had (laughs) massive, yeah, I know, right? And the logo. Yeah. And the logo. They, They had massive series of updates announced in February. I was going to watch the webinar live where they announced like 50, I don't know what, and I'm like, yeah, I don't have time for this. So I waited and it took one day for the first person that I follow on some podcast to make a podcast about 
here are the top 10 things that I thought were great updates in this Google webinar. Nice. And then about three other podcasts also did similar ones. And so I listened to them and I'm like, listen to all the 10 things or the 20 things. And I'm like, I only need to really remember about two of those or three, because that's what's <laughs> going to be relevant to the music teachers. So what I are those, what I are those podcasts? Know. Do you have a couple recommendations? Yeah, I'm actually about to make a podcast episode about podcasts that I listen to because <laughs> I thought it might be useful. So we could just listen to your podcast to find yeah, out about I'll, those I'll podcasts. Tell you. Yeah. Um, one that's just stopped, unfortunately, oh. <laughs> it was called the Google Teacher Podcast, um, but the two hosts have decided to stop that. But you can still, their, their past episodes are very relevant. Yeah. And even if you're not a Google school, I think there's so much you can get out of their podcast episodes anyway. So that's Casey Bell and Matt Miller run that one. We're running that one together. Casey Bell has Shake Up Learning and she has a very useful podcast. Um, she does a lot of Google stuff, but also non-Google stuff too. And uh, there's one called Shooks and GIF. And they, and I'll, I'll pop you, I'll give you links for these yes. later on. <laughs> um, they talk, gif. Yeah. They, it's two uh, Canadian teachers, female teachers, and they talk through just like, they share a series of tech tools every episode. Like, here's something cool that I found this week and here's something else. Um, there's another one called the EdTech Takeout, also useful. And I don't know, there's probably, there's one called Check, Check This Out. I, you know, and they don't publish it sounds like I'm listening all day to podcasts, but they, they don't all publish, you know, all the time every week. Sure. So I just pick and choose. Some episodes I read the title, I'm like, I don't need to know that right now. Right. Delete, delete it. Yep. Come back to it later. So, yes, that, that's often I just file things away in my mind. I don't go looking on the website or anything and, and just keep up that way. So I think don't feel pressured to keep up with it all. You don't, you just don't need to. Yep. Feel, things filter through. I just yeah. deleted a bunch of downloaded podcast episodes. I do don't ever, frequently. Don't ever no. do that to Katie's no, podcast or mine. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different thing. These are necessary to keep downloaded. <laughs> Everything <laughs> else, get Everything rid of. Everything else, go. <laughs> um, I'm going to wrap this up with a cautionary tale that <laughs> blends together my latest, you know, bad boyfriend, Prezi, and what Katie has been saying. Because it feels like it's only happened to me, but that just can't be true. So as you know, I just started doing courses again for the first time in quite a while. And also, as I've mentioned, I've invested a great deal of time into Prezi, which is another reason I'm sticking with it, because Every time I do a course, it's like I redo the entire presentation. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't think that you would have to do that, but it just ends up, you know, being that. So this course started in March, early March, and mid-January, or excuse me, mid-February, so like two and a half weeks before, I'm like, let me just open it up because it's been a while. And I'm going through it, and I go to edit, and it's like, your Prezi is now being converted to Prezi Present. And I was like, what? What's this? <laughs> well, I guess with the demise of Adobe Flash. Oh. Um, yeah. And I just thought, come on. It's, it's only Missy. Like, it completely changed the way. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like, you know, we made some tweaks. It's like, Everything is different. Yeah. So for two and a half weeks, I was frantically 
trying it eliminated things so i'm thinking about your thing about you know maybe the day before open up yeah, the program earlier. if it's an entire presentation <laughs> definitely earlier than that and here <laughs> i was thinking look how proactive i am like two and a half weeks before yeah. which in my you life is that's a lot. enough and well, that would be a lot for me yeah I mean, it was yeah. A, a jeremy has been trying so you know you could tell i don't think yeah. any therapy is going to help me and prezi <laughs> But I'll try a little while longer, like I said, for the kids. But cautionary tale, listen to Katie. <laughs> Open up your things I, beforehand. I feel like, I feel, Missy, that, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I feel like you should long-term consider summer project, not right now, yes. long-term consider moving away from Prezi. I'm, I, I have loved I am, Prezi in the past. I am definitely considering that. Um, I feel like there's a few uncontrollable, there's things beyond your control in Prezi. Yes. Clearly, <laughs> but, yeah. but there would be anyway, the way it's designed, the way it works. So yeah. I, I don't know. I think, I think maybe, maybe I was just, term. it's like Can I went, I Mac, went, right? yeah, I went, yeah. I went for the guy who was like way out of my league and I just, <laughs> I'm just trying to make it work for like six years. And it's like, everybody around me is like, we see what's happening, Missy. You're going to have to come to terms. But I'm like, I've invested so much into this. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to get over it. I'm going to look into joining this midnight music community even though it's scary oh, to me to but you. you've made it seem like the least scary it could be it's fun I, I I do I really do enjoy hanging out in there it sounds funny like you know obviously it's like my my little place and stuff, I understand but, I totally but understand that, I think for me it's become very clear the the difference between the Facebook groups Amy and I were talking about this because she helps me out in the forum answering questions and we were one thing that she pointed out, which just hadn't like occurred to me in my own mind, is that you know when you ask a question in a Facebook group, you get forty opinions on what is the best software to record sure, your screen, sure. and everyone's very adamant about their one solution. No, 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 you just do it this way. Yeah, and like Amy said to me once, it's like, no, from us you'll just get the actual answer, and you'll just get <laughs> right. the one. Like, you know, right, it's right. From us, and you know, we know. Like, yeah, no, I <laughs> like that. The teacher that actually doesn't, and the, the you know, the teachers when they answer in the Facebook groups, they're not reading the question properly. The, the person goes, "I'm on a Mac now. What can I use for right, this?" Right, right. They they reply with all these PC only tools, and you're like, no. And they don't Mac look at the other like, comments. Yeah, so they don't look at the other comments. Oh my gosh, drives me nuts. <laughs> well, my kids have Chrome. Books and then people uh, suggest all this downloadable software, and I'm like, she it says it's on work. a Chromebook, right? Can't do it, right? <laughs> always, always. Well, you're more than welcome to come to Music Ed with Missy. This it's a safe Facebook page, safe place. Yeah, you also, will be will embraced love and loved. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. <laughs> um, I want to thank you both, Chris. Thank you for being here always. I love to have, that's my, she's my peanut butter and jelly where I don't know which one of us is which. Um, I think it changes from time to time. Um, and like I said, Chris was, Chris and Amy, you know, kind of both brought you to me. And so. Isn't it an awesome world, this online world? It like, really I, is. I was also saying recently, maybe to Amy, that some of my closest friends generally in life are people who don't live anywhere near me. They're in yeah. another country. And we met on Twitter. Yeah. Like, that's just and you feel, crazy. you you genuinely feel like yeah. you know them. I'm a, you know, yep. I'm a supporter of social media, you know, in, and I've also recognizing right. it's, mm. you know, it's foibles. But yep. there have been so many good things 
so many good happened. things for me. That it's really, uh, it's been a massive thing for me. Particularly Twitter, I, I moved away from it for a while. I was just like too much, too much. But I've gone back, and I'm really glad I'm sort of back in there again yeah. because it's such a great place to connect. I like Twitter, so. and I like like each yeah. one of them has like a different function. A different for thing. Me, yep. Right. Yep. Me Twitter's too. more like it's more grown up. Like yes. Twitter's more, you know, <laughs> and people are way more polite yeah. on Twitter, <laughs> and you know, it's more like the the people are behaving better on Twitter. Facebook is like, I still love Facebook. That's me. Yeah. But there are some, you know, knockdown, drag out. I don't know. There's yep. something about Facebook that makes I don't people know go lightly just, just over the edge. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm a good fighter on Facebook so I, I can diffuse it. And then Instagram is like just me wishing I was young. Like I'm like, Instagram's me like with the young people keeping me young, but knowing I'm very old at this point. So they all serve a different purpose, but I'm so thankful to have uh, come across your work and now to really be able to spend this time uh, you're you. just as lovely as I predicted. Oh, so. thank you. You're nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But thank you for saying. <laughs> and thank you for trying to give me the tough love, the tech tough love. Oh, you know, I, I know. it makes any difference, I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> and you don't, don't make any changes right now. Wait till summer. No, Just I'm. I make, my make. one thing is, like I said, I'm. I the next time I'm teaching first steps is in July, and oh, so good. I'm slowly moving one presentation over and I'm like that's that's my big project oh and I'm supposed to be writing a book but that's a whole different thing (laughs) um that has no technology tied to it Uh, but thank you both for being here uh Katie I hope you will return again sounds good yeah maybe I'll have positive things to report (laughs) post intervention (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like you can be like what's going on with you and Prezi have you decided to yeah, make a go of it on. have you moved on is it just you and Google Slides now um, thank you for being here you are welcome lovely to talk to you both and yeah I, I hope all things technology work for you in your world this is my wish for everybody <laughs> how about one thing in the technology world yeah. to work and even that even I take that sometimes yeah, you got to just take what, <laughs> what happens that's good. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you. I really liked listening to Chris Ann and Katie talk about Katie's Canva course on Midnight Music, which I need to sign up for. One of the biggest takeaways for me was another reminder that less is more when it comes to tech. So I'm going to keep working on disciplining myself to look at the dessert buffet that is technology and try to remember not to eat everything, but to choose wisely. Remember, you can head to midnightmusic.com.au to learn tons more, or you can also go to bit.ly slash musicatamplified to find out more about Katie and the Midnight Music community, as well as some of the resources she mentions in the chat. And by the way, if you're interested in any of my upcoming First Steps in Music or Conversational Solfege online fame certification courses in July and August, contact me at musicedwithmissy at gmail.com. Or you can head over to Music Ed with Missy on Facebook or Instagram to find out more. The Music Ed Amplified podcast theme music was composed and performed by my husband, Jeremy Strong, who also helps produce the podcast and my second-born son, the almost high school graduate, Owen Strong. 
It would be wonderful if you would subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you listen and share it with others so that we can get these important discussions out to more and more people in order to facilitate real change in the profession and for students. As always, thank you for spending time with me. I hope that you've been encouraged, been supported, been inspired, and that you're motivated to reflect on your philosophy and practice. I'll see you next time. But until then, keep doing all you can to create a more joyful, musical, thoughtful, and just world for your students, their families, and your community.